You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning. I'm Ashley Winch in Kansas City, Missouri, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Tuesday, February 20th, episode 3369. Good morning, Horse World. For today's show highlight, we're sharing the most recent episode of Celebs with Horses by Lisa Wysocki. You may have recently heard her co-hosting on Horses in the Morning, covering for Glenn while we were out on the Horse Lovers Cruise. In this episode, Lisa highlights actor, musician, singer, and songwriter Roy Clark. Learn how a horse caused Roy a debilitating fear and how he overcame it completely. You will also discover how horses bonded Roy and his wife Barbara, which horse was the true start of it all for Roy, and why he needed horses in his life. Enjoy the show! This is Celebs with Horses, highlighting celebrities from film, TV, the arts, and music, and their love of horses. Hosted by award-winning author, Lisa Wysocki. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Celebs with Horses. Before we start, a quick shout-out and thanks to today's title sponsor, Hands-On Gloves. I am your host, Lisa Wysocki. So today's episode is going to be just a little different. We're going to talk about country music legend, actor, songwriter, and author Roy Clark. You might remember Roy as the host of the iconic television show Hee Haw, but in addition to that, Roy was a huge lover of horses. I say was because Roy sadly passed in 2018 at age 85. Now, you might ask, why do a show on someone who has passed? Well, for two reasons. First, I had the opportunity to meet Roy when I was 18 years old. I was a queen contestant at the National Appaloosa Horse Show in Oklahoma City, and at the time, Roy had a ranch near Tulsa and was heavily into showing Appaloosas. As contestants, we were supposed to circulate at the various events throughout the 10-day competition, and one evening, all of us contestants were at the annual Appaloosa sale. It was late, I was tired, and I was wearing this really cool white western knit suit over a long-sleeved western shirt, and this was Oklahoma in July, and it all made me really sweaty. It looked great, but boy was I hot, and then my feet started to hurt in my brand new boots. So I picked an inconspicuous spot high up in the bleachers, and I tried really hard to become invisible. But not five minutes later, Roy Clark, who was a huge star at the time, came in with a few other people. He looked around and marched up to the bleachers and sat down right next to me. Then he turned to me, stuck out his hand, and said, Hi, I'm Roy. Over the next 15 minutes, we had a lovely conversation, of which I remember absolutely nothing. And I would have stayed longer, but the contestant chaperone had apparently discovered I was missing, and she spotted me and beckoned with her finger. This, by the way, was the very same day that actor Burt Reynolds, also very much into Appaloosas at the time, came around a corner of the barn, crashed into me, stomped on my foot, and almost knocked me over. But that, my friends, is a story for another day. The second reason I wanted to do an episode about Roy 
is that I interviewed him for a book I did a while back, a book called Horse Country. The book was filled with stories from country music stars about their horses, and out of all of the artists I interviewed for the book, all 27 of them, Roy's story is the one that stayed with me. It was that compelling, and I think it can be both motivating and inspirational for anyone who hears it. But before we get there, and also before we get to a conversation with someone who worked with Roy for nearly 30 years, I want to share a little bit more about him. He truly was the real deal, and he was as down-home and welcoming offstage as he was on. As a former publicist in the music industry, I learned to recognize two kinds of celebrities. One was the kind who made some sort of instant transformation the second they stepped on stage, and they went from a regular person to charismatic superstar in the blink of an eye. The other kind, though, like Roy, was just naturally charming, engaging, and real. I can't possibly share all of Roy's accolades with you, but a short list includes Roy as the first country music star to guest host The Tonight Show for Johnny Carson. He also hosted the Academy of Country Music Awards and several specials for BBC in England. He was seen on many other shows as well, including having a regular guest role on one of my favorite shows, The Beverly Hillbillies. We all remember actor Bob Hope, and he called Roy the consummate entertainer, and with good reason. Roy played blues with B.B. King. He was a Grammy Award winner. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He was a TV Land Award winner and earned multiple Academy of Country Music and Country Music Association awards. Plus, he's in the American Banjo Museum Hall of Fame and the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. Roy was also the first national ambassador for UNICEF. He was honored as Instrumentalist of the Year six times by the magazine Music City News. He was honored as Picker of the Year from Playboy Magazine's Reader's Poll, chosen as Best Country Guitarist by Guitar Magazine, and the list goes on and on and on. But through the years, Roy also recorded a string of hits, including Honeymoon Feeling, Yesterday, when I was young, and my very favorite song, Thank God and Greyhound, You're Gone. I wish the tapes of my conversation with Roy way back in 2002 had survived, but sadly, through several moves and the Tennessee humidity, the cassettes, yes, we had cassette tapes back then, they were really quite the thing, but they didn't hold up. I do think about Roy's story virtually every day of my life, though. And during our first interview, he told me that from an early age, the highest highs and the lowest lows in his life revolved around horses. Roy said, Ever since I was a kid, there was something interesting to me about a cowboy movie and a horse. We never had riding horses around when I was young, but I used to ride mules and working horses back when I was a kid, six, seven years old, five years old. I remember that I always rode bareback. When Roy was in his early 20s, he and a friend grabbed some horses one day and went riding. And it was supposed to be a fun day out on the range, but the ride turned into a life-changing experience for Roy Clark. Roy told me, I think the horse I was on was a Morgan. This was in the early spring, and this horse belonged to my friend. I know the horse had not been ridden since the previous fall, so he was a little skittish. Roy's friend also had a German Shepherd dog, and as the two friends were riding, the dog began to bark and nip at the horse's heels. Well, Roy said, as long as my horse could see this dog, he was all right. But the dog got under my horse's back feet, and my horse reared up. Looking back, if I had just given the horse his head, 
we'd have been all right. But when he reared, I got scared, and I pulled back on the reins. The horse had a Mexican bit, and if you're familiar with them, you know when you pull back hard, it can be hard on the roof of the horse's mouth. But I kept pulling back and pulling back, and this poor horse not only got up on his hind legs, he started walking backward. Finally, he hit a little up bank, and I was still pulling back on that bit, and really, it forced him over backwards. I felt him fall, but by that time, I had slid off and I was sitting on the ground. I had just turned to get out of the way when this horse fell backward across my leg. Roy broke both bones in his leg straight across between the knee and the ankle and didn't walk for 11 months. 11 whole months. Can you imagine? Roy said he never blamed the horse. Instead, he took full responsibility for the fall. But because Roy was not able to get right back up on the horse because he'd had 11 months of rehabilitation, his subconscious had gone to work. Roy said, I'd often heard that if you fall off or if you get hurt on a horse, you need to get back on as quick as you can so you don't build up a fear. Well, I physically couldn't, you know, get back on a horse for some time. Now, let's jump forward about three years. Fellow recording artist Elton Britt who around the time of World War II had the first million-selling country record, it was a song called There's a Star-Spangled Banner Waving Somewhere, was a friend of Roy's. Roy said, Elton was a real horseman and an outdoorsman, and about three years after my little mishap, I went up to his farm, and he had a yearling colt he wanted to show me. Elton took me out to a round pen, and I realized that this was the first time I had been around a horse since the accident. I stepped into the pen, and this horse took two steps toward me, just two ordinary walking steps. He just walked over like any horse would, being inquisitive, kind of slowly, and I tell you, I broke out in the coldest sweat and started to shake, just uncontrollable shaking, and I realized that a real fear of horses had developed since the accident, but it had been dormant. Because I had not been around horses, there had been nothing to bring my fear to the surface." Somehow, I climbed out through the pen, but I was shaking and sweating like all get-out. Rationally, Roy knew that the horse who had hurt him had not meant to, but that rationale was hard to explain to his shaking and sweating body. Roy said, A horse really will do everything he can not to hurt you. I mean, if you fall off in front of a horse, he'd do his best to step over you. I'd fallen off several times before. I'd ridden a horse down a grade and lost my balance and slid off. I slid right under that horse's feet, and he stepped over the top of me so I would not get hurt. But after the incident with the colt in the round pen, Roy understood that he had to do something to get over his fear. He said, I realized how ridiculous this fear was. I knew logically that I had become afraid due to a freak accident that I myself, out of my own fear and ignorance, had caused. We're going to hear how Roy got over his fear of horses in just a minute. But first, a word from our friends at Hands-On Gloves. I love our Hands-On Gloves, especially because with them you can actually feel the horse as you groom. Really, they're absolutely amazing. Whether it's itchy bug bites, sticky sweat marks, caked on mud, or exuberant springtime shedding, Hands-On Gloves gives you the tactical tools you need to get the job done right. Hands-On Gloves comes in pairs, so you'll get twice the work done in half the time. And since they are available in three different sizes, you get the gloves that work best for you. Plus, they come in a number of very cool colors. Hands-On Gloves are available at major retailers nationwide or at handsongloves.com. And now, back to the show. You know, 
It took some time for Roy's shaking to go away. He took the entire next year, a solid 12 months, to think every single day about all the good things horses brought to people, all the good things horses brought to him, and about how much he truly loved horses. Every day, he'd take some time to think good thoughts about his equine friends. Roy said, After about a year of thinking, I was out in West Texas when a friend invited me to come ride. So I went out and I got on this horse. I felt a little uneasy that first time I climbed aboard, but it didn't last long. It really was okay. I had thought so much about horses and the fall over that year that it turned out I'd been able to conquer my fear through positive thought. I think that time we rode most of the day, and we rode for two or three days. I was so elated that I could ride that horse, because it was probably four years from the time I fell until I got back on. That expression about getting right back on after a fall is true. I mean, it is true to the hilt. Once Roy conquered his fear of horses, he decided that he actively wanted them back in his life. I mean, really, who wouldn't? Through the help of another friend, Roy claimed a thoroughbred racehorse at a track in Maryland, and Roy's wife, Barbara, became interested in the sport of racing. Roy said, Barbara wasn't into the racing part so much as the horse itself. She really got into pedigrees and blood strains, what horses crossed well with other horses, and all that part of it. She was so excited about it that I gave her a thoroughbred mare for Christmas one year. That mare was a beautiful 1970 bay mare named Seductive Lady, and she became a huge part of the Clark family and lived on the Clark Ranch until the ripe old age of 32. But after several years of racing, Seductive Lady developed a bone chip in her knee, and the Clark's veterinarian and his trainer gently suggested they not go through the expense of repairing the joint, that instead that they have the mare euthanized. Roy told me, Everyone advised us that she was not that expensive of a horse, that it was going to be an expensive operation and we shouldn't go through all that expense with no guarantee. But Seductive Lady was more than just a horse to Roy and Barbara Clark. She was a thoughtful gift from one caring partner to another, and she represented their first success on the racetrack. So they took the chance. Roy said, After the operation, the surgeon came out and said, Well, We're glad you made the decision. The bone chip was about the size of the end of my thumb. It was a really big bone chip, but it did no damage, no torn ligaments or anything. Roy and Barbara brought Seductive Lady back to the ranch and let her rest for about a year. And then they brought her back to the track, and she won quite a few more races for them. When Roy and Barbara retired the mare from the track, she then became a brood mare. Roy said, We sent her to Florida and bred her to Bold Nesian, who was a son of Bold Ruler. Well, her first foal, Bullductive, turned out to win $236,000 for us. That was our first racehorse that we had bred, and so we were a little spoiled. And very, very proud, too, that we had taken this horse that I had given Barbara for Christmas. And she turned out to be such a super racehorse and a super broodmare. Through the years, the Clarks also bred Seductive Lady to several top stallions in Kentucky, and when Bullductive's racing career was over, the Clarks put him out to stud. One thing led to another, and they built a broodmare facility on the ranch. Roy turned around one day and realized he had 60 horses on the place. After that, he said, we started cutting down on quantity and paid a lot more attention to quality. Roy said that out of all the horses he's been around his entire life, Seductive Lady is the one who is closest to his heart.
She always ran good for us, he said. She was always a very dependable horse. You know, I really miss looking out in the pasture and seeing her there. It's just not quite the same without her. Her life with us and ours with her was like a fairy tale. We'll get back to Roy's story after a quick word from our friends at Yard Glider. You know, my Yard Glider is my favorite tool. It makes hauling just about anything around the farm easier. Hay, feed, brush, anything. If you haven't seen one of these, Yard Glider is a modern-day stone boat. It loads without lifting, it hauls more, and it dumps faster than a cart. I got my Yard Glider a few months ago, and since then it has helped me move more stuff than I could ever have imagined. I can pull it with the truck or a small riding lawnmower, and I use it every single day. Seriously, every farm and every property should have one. Yard Gliders are made in America, and you can get yours at yardglider.com. Dot com. Use code HRN and save 10% when you order right now. Now, back to the show. Even though Roy felt a special closeness to Seductive Lady, he's found joy with many horses, a fact that his friend, former backup singer, publicist, and fan club president Carol Grace Anderson can confirm. In full disclosure, for a number of years, Roy and Carol hired me to edit and design his fan club newsletter and other promotional materials. So I really felt I couldn't do an episode on Roy and not include Carol. She just knew Roy so very, very well. And here she is now telling us how she and Roy met. Back in 1979, a woman called Mary Beth, my late sister, and me, and said, would you be interested in auditioning for Roy Clark uh, to go on the road and be his backup singers? We go, sure. And so we auditioned, and we got the part. And in January of 1980, we met Roy on the stage of the Frontier Hotel and started our, our whole thing with Roy Clark, which in my case lasted almost 30 years Carol then told me how Roy and his wife Barbara spent time with their horses after long days touring around the world and how very much he loved them. And, you know, we'd be out on the road sometimes 250 days a year touring. And so uh, this gave Barbara something to do where when he would be home, together they could go up to Clark Farm, which uh, is about 80 miles northeast of Tulsa. And that's where they kept their horses which they had several. They loved thoroughbreds, you know, uh, quarter horses, whatever. And um, so, in fact, in 1983, Roy wanted to uh, start a racing resort near Tulsa. He and some investors, but it never did go through because of all the, uh, you know, goings on between trying to get all kinds of permissions and all that. So it never did happen, but it would have been a nice racing quote, resort. They had several racehorses. Uh, Barbara had one called Lady Capade, who won a few races. Uh, They had one called Miss Jacqueline, which they called Miss J. Uh, They had another one called Diamond Solitaire. And one of their favorites was Australian Kid. So, but they they had these horses and caretaker, and uh, they they were very serious about being uh, owners of of these thoroughbreds and these big racehorses. He he loved it. Yeah, he would talk about it all the time. 
Carol had spent so much time with Roy that I wondered if my brief impression of who Roy was as a person was accurate. Turns out, it was. And I get asked very often, what was he really like? And I said, you know what? What you see on TV and on Hee Haw for 24 seasons, uh, that's who he is. He, he was just always like that. He was always fun, always very faithful to his fans, you know, and just thought of them uh, and appreciated them. And he was down to earth. Anyone could come, hey, Roy, you know, like he's their uncle. That They just felt like they could approach him and, and uh, he was approachable. So he was just a very intelligent guy, I must say. He knew so much about so many different subjects. And uh, so he, he was just a terrific person. He almost became like family, you know, with my parents and my sister. And we, we just all felt like family. Yes, Roy Clark was humble, approachable, and he truly loved horses. During my interview with him so many years ago, he also told me, Every horse I have found has their own personality, their own aura, and when you get to know them, there are no two horses alike. They might be similar, but they all have different traits, and that is a wonder in itself. And there is nothing, even as thrilling as the racing part of it is, that can come close to helping a mare have a foal, helping pull the baby out, cleaning the foal off, helping him stand and see him start nursing. It doesn't take long, and then the babies are out in the paddock, running around, jumping up and down, and really enjoying life. And then you're starting them in training and taking them to the track, seeing your colors on their back and seeing that horse run in a race, and you have been there since the very beginning. Just being around different horses, you never know what to expect. Horses really take your mind off any other problem that you have. You come in off the road, you've been out on a long tour, you go out to the barn and just start walking around the horses, seeing how they are maturing. You just go into a different world and boy, that is a wonderful, wonderful place. I wish every one of you could have met Roy Clark, and I hope his story of overcoming his fear of horses stays with you, as it has stayed with me for several decades. We all have fears, we all have challenges, but if a worldwide superstar like Roy Clark can overcome, then so might we. Every time I have a fear or a challenge, I think of Roy Clark. It took him four long years, but eventually he achieved his goal of enjoying horses again. He did it through daily positive thought. Your path might be quite different, but I think it's enough to know it's possible to get past whatever it is that's holding us back from achieving any of our dreams, any of our goals. And for that, we all have Roy Clark to thank. Well, everyone, that's it for this episode. You know by now we couldn't do this show without the help of a number of people and businesses. Special thanks this time go to Carol Grace Anderson, Mike Mead, Hands-On Gloves, Yard Glider, Jen Hebert, Glenn Hebert, and of course the Horse Radio Network, now part of the Equine Network family. Many thanks too to you for listening. As for me, look for me at lisawysaki.com, that's L-I-S-A-W-Y-S-O-C-K-Y.com. Tune in next time to learn of yet another celebrity who loves horses. 